Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane. Drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on atthehive.com. Welcome back. We're back. It's Tuesday. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at hivetalklive.com. You can listen to us live at hivetalklive.com every Tuesday at 6 p.m. now that we're back to our regular season schedule. But if you miss a show, don't worry. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets Talk anytime, anywhere. You can listen to Hornets Talk, David. You could even watch some Hornets talk now that we have mm. our uh, video breakdown series live, ready to go. So subscribe to us on YouTube. We have four videos up right now of Hornets newcomers, so you definitely want to take a look at that. But we've got a huge show. I want to get right into it. We have a, uh, a very special guest here today. Uh, he became an NBA Twitter sensation during this NBA offseason with his concise and clear analysis. He worked for the Nets organization for 20 years, two decades, math. He was the assistant general manager for the Nets from 2010 until 2015. Let's welcome in on the Hive Talk Live hotline, Bobby Marks. Bobby, thanks so much for being here. I'm good. How you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, So we saw on Twitter that you had some very flattering things to say about the Hornets offseason. Now, I know we just got you on here, Bobby, but I hate to break it to you, but you may be in the minority on that opinion uh, on the national scene. Uh, I think it's I think it's you, it's us, um, uh, maybe a couple commenters on atthehive.com. Uh, why do you feel like this offseason has been positive for the Charlotte Hornets? Well, I, and I think the, the minority or the people who are looking at what they did in the offseason with a negative light are probably more looking at what they did draft night where we, we, we all heard the rumors and I think Zach Lowe wrote, wrote a pretty good piece about it with what Charlotte had been offered and they turned it down and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of where – I think where a lot of people are, are looking at it from that, that perspective. But I, I like a lot what they did. They did a lot of their homework early. You know, they, they made the Batum and the um, – in the Hall's trade before, you know, before the draft, um, they were able to get uh, two nice pieces there. Um, I like Kaminsky a lot. I, I was fortunate where I got to uh, I got to interview him during pre-draft camp um, and sat down with him. He's got a great personality. I think he can he'll be able to come on the court and play right right away. Um, you know, the Jeremy Lin signing as a backup for you know the biannual you know two point one million, and they got him on the cheap. Uh, high, you know, he's a high quality. Uh, you know, a backup there. And then, you know, and then you kind of cap it off with the um, the Gilchrist um, 
extension, you know, probably below market value, especially where we saw wings kind of came off the board this summer where, you know, a guy like Schumpert is making, you know, $10 million per. Um, he got Gilchrist right around, right around, you know, between 12 and $13 million. But um, I, I, I liked what they did. You know, the East got a lot better. The back end of the East, you know, probably positioned, you know, six on, on back and everything. And, um, you know, I mean, if, if Kaminsky, you know, doesn't live up to the expectation, then we probably, you know, we'll probably all have, a, you know, uh, you know, uh, egg on our face and everything. But, but I do like what Rich Joe and, and the, uh, and, and, and the people down there did. Bobby, you mentioned the, the extension and the signing of, of MKG. From his point of view, to go ahead and, and cash in now as opposed to waiting on maybe that the big TV deal money, was that a good move for him? I think so because he's still young enough where he'll get another crack at the apple, you know, three or four years from now. And if he um, – you know, if he if he plays well enough, there's still you know a pot of money you know down down the road for him. You know, he's been a little bit nicked up the last couple of years and stuff, and it's it's hard for players when you know you put a contract in front of a, of a guy where he's guaranteed to make you know fifty two million dollars over four years to turn money you know especially guaranteed money down and in or you know and then roll the dice and going into you know, possibly a restricted free agency period where you always have, you know, at 82 games, you can you can possibly get injured. Does that deal go off the table next year? Is it a lower number and everything like that? So it it is hard for a player to, to turn a, turn turn down that money and everything. But I think he, you know, if he plays up to his billing and he's had a good, you know, uh, you know, three or four year more years, you know, he'll he'll have another 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 chance to make some more more money there. Bobby Marks joining us here live on Hive Talk Live this evening. You know, one theme of this offseason that has, you know, kind of caused some uh, concern from some Hornets fans and some folks around the league is this idea that the Hornets are in all-out win-now mode. And to do that, they've sacrificed the future for the present. Do you necessarily agree with that? No, I don't agree with that. I think when you're in an all-out win mode, is you don't have a safety net. You know, and I think if you put all your chips to the, you know, you push them to the middle, that means that you've kind of depleted a lot of your assets with if it's draft picks, future picks, um, and if it fails, then there's no, there's nothing for you to, you know, there's no there's no, no net for you to catch. So I, I don't I don't agree with that. You, you've got you know you still have Kemba Walker who's a, a nice young player. You've got Gilchrist. You've got Batum in the trade. I understand that. Batum, you got Batum in the trade, but, you know, and he's going into a walk year. Um, so you're not sure where, if you're going to be able to retain him um, next year. If you have good success, that will help. But I, I don't I don't buy in that they're in a they're in a win mode now. I know they're in a win mode now to get into the playoffs. I, I do know that just in talking with, the, you know, with with the folks down in down in Charlotte and everything. But but I, I don't I think a win now mode is is Sacramento. I think what and I don't and that's there's no safety net there where they've kind of push their chips to the table a little bit and they've gotten, you know, some, some players that could help, but you know, you have, as you guys know, you're out West. That's a, it's a bloodbath out there. I think when we were in Brooklyn a couple of years ago, we were kind of in a win now mode and we pushed our, our trips to the table and, you know, we, we, we gave away a bunch of picks and we did the Boston deal and stuff like that. But I, I don't agree that, that, you know, with what the people are saying regarding Charlotte. Here with Bobby Marks uh, was an assistant GM with the Nets organization from uh, 2010 to 2015. Uh, in your time there in, in Brooklyn, were you part of a uh, war room draft night scenario? Were you involved in those? Yeah, I was. 
Yeah, and what what, is, what happens usually, the, the process kind of just leading up to the, the night, you know, Thursday night and everything, is usually that Sunday all your scouts are coming to town and you you, you, you just you, you kind of start locking yourself in a room. You, you start setting your board, you know, your 1-60 to 60 board. Every team kind of does it differently, and that's where the whole process goes. And by, by Thursday your board is set. You've already made contact with all 30 teams. You've got possibly potential deals on the table, and you've got – You've got options A, B, C, D, and E, so you're you're well well prepared, and you know if you if you can if you if you there's an opportunity to make a deal that night that you know what you know what's out there and what the, what the contingencies contingencies are and everything. Well, you mentioned uh, the deal making, so I, I assume you probably know what I'm I'm about to kind of get into. There's a lot. I of, do. There's a lot. Of, <laughs> there's do. a lot of controversy uh, here in Charlotte about what happened on draft night in the war room. I, I got a quote here from Curtis Polk, who is the vice chairman of the Hornets. He's basically Michael Jordan's number two guy uh, describing the situation in the Hornets room uh, when the Boston uh, quote unquote godfather trade offers were coming in. He said, you don't have a day. You don't have hours. After all the intelligence we'd done, we were comfortable with Frank, but now you have two minutes to decide if you make this trade, who you're going to take at number 16 or maybe number 20. And we haven't been focusing on that range. Uh, How do you read those quotes? Uh, well, it's five minutes, so he's a little bit off on the time. So you do have a little bit more, you know, you got a little more of a buffer there and everything like that. But you know, it's it's an interesting situation in Charlotte where you know you have got you know probably the greatest player of all time down there as your owner, and your 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 ownership group is a little more involved probably than a normal team. You know, when I was in Brooklyn and and in, in New Jersey, you know, would our owner kind of poke you know uh, poke in and. and stick his head in, yeah, would he be in there as a guy making a decision? No. So it's a little bit different, I think, than what you see down in what's going on in Charlotte and everything like that. So I, I don't know. It's, it, every every team is different. But I know when I was in New Jersey and Brooklyn, we had contingencies. If, if we did move back, who were the guys we were looking at? You know, is if we had someone, you know, ranked number nine on our board and he was still there at 15, can we go move to get him? Or if, if can we move pieces around and to do something? So – um, I don't. I don't think you know. You, the big thing is you never want to get surprised. You know, the night of the draft and everything. I think you know the majority of teams are are prepared and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of a little bit of a hard hard statement to kind of stomach. Interesting stuff there from uh, Bobby Marks uh, was an assistant GM uh, with the Nets from 2010 to 2015. Um, Charlotte's a small market team. I, I don't know if you probably can't consider Brooklyn a small market. That's a pretty big market. Uh, Charlotte's a small market. No. Team. <laughs> we, uh, we hear about the challenges that that presents uh, in attracting players here and keeping them. Do you think that those challenges are real? Are they overblown? Uh, do you think that the tide is, is shifting a little bit towards small markets? I, I think it's shifting. I think you saw this, this past summer where you had, you know, you know, you look at New York and LA, two, two big, huge markets that had, uh, you know, a lot of cap space, you know, and kind of went over, you know, with some of these big names and everything where you've looked at some of the smaller markets like a Milwaukee who, who has put a, a, you know, good product on the court, especially last year and was able to go out and get a Greg Monroe. I think if Charlotte has a good year, and I think this is, this might be the most probably important year they've had in a long time, especially where they're, where they're going into next summer with potentially a lot of cap space, the, the uh, you know, the cap's going to, you know, take a nice hike to probably 89, 90 million that there'll be a draw come free agency. I, I think if they, if they go, you know, like they did last year and if they're in the lottery again, I think it's a hard sell 
to, to lure some of these these top notch these top notch guys. And I think what what free agents, you know, especially the, the veteran ones that can, you know, maybe their last chance at it, they want to go to a winning team that can win win right now. They don't want to be part of a rebuild. So it's going to be an important year for Charlotte. And if they have a good year, you know, they'll they'll be an attractive place. It's a it's a you know, that's a good home crowd down there. It's a good place to live. It's a good place to, to you know to, to raise your family. Yeah, but yeah, Bobby. I think that's the biggest question mark is just how does this season play out? Assuming it goes well and they have some success, like of course they're planning to do. Do you see the biggest challenge being, you know, trying to retain some of those guys like Batum, or is it going out and finding more free agents to add to the mix, especially once the salary cap starts exploding? Well, I think it'll be important to kind of retain your own. You'll have a year to kind of, um, you'll have Batum under your under your watch for a year. You'll be able to, you know, have an advantage where other teams won't. Well, you'll 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 be with him. You know, you'll be in the locker room. You'll have his your coaches. You know, you'll be traveling with him and stuff like that. So you, you'll get a better comfort level. Um, you know, you have Al as, as a free agent too. So those are two two main pieces. Can you retain those and also? You know, add some other other players. That's going to be the the, the big thing. It's 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 going to be interesting next summer, just because there's so many teams that are going to have so much cap space, potentially have a lot of cap space. We'll we'll see what happens with some of these when these rookies extensions they do come off the board. And it's not a great free agent class after you kind of get past some of the you know the the big names and stuff like that. So, you know, with Charlotte, if 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 they do have a good year and they're back in the playoff, you know, that means that Batum and, and Jefferson also had good years. So it will be important. And I know they're especially with Al, he's kind of getting up there with age a little bit, um, you know, to, to bring those back just because it's, it's, it's good always to have that familiarity instead of that rotating door. Bobby, you rocked Twitter this summer, the NBA Twitter, and you just rocked <laughs> our show. Great information. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow Bobby on Twitter at BobbyMarks42. Do it, do it, do it now. Thank you so much, Bobby. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Again, that was Bobby Marks. Follow him on Twitter. Sir, I cannot recommend a better follow at this point in terms of NBA, kind of the minutia, the the offseason, the numbers. A guy who's been there, who's been in the war room, as you mentioned, as he mentioned, um, who's, who's seen this stuff up close and can give you, a, you know, an honest take on it at a time when a lot of people are just going for the hot take. And, you know, hot takes have their place too, and a lot of them, you know, make sense. But I think it's cool to see somebody looking at it from – you know, maybe more of a level-headed perspective. Um, you know, and certainly an outsider's viewpoint, and he's just saying what he sees. Well, it's interesting because again, he likes, and this is this is what we've been talking about uh, pretty much all summer. He is uh, a little concerned about the quotes that are coming out, but then he looks at the off-season as a whole. He looks at the moves, he looks at the transactions, and he looks at the future positioning. For this franchise, and he goes, "Yeah, thumbs up." Yeah, like I don't like sense. I don't like the quotes. I don't like maybe the way things are being structured, but <laughs> maybe they're tripping and falling into good decisions. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, we we have Bobby on obviously because he knows what he's talking about. Again, he's had a different perspective on the Hornets' moves than a lot of what we've seen, but it's not like he's saying, "Well, they're going to go to the finals." He's not saying this is no. all going to work out. He's saying. At this time right now, with what they had to work with especially, because let's not forget how strapped they were from a cap standpoint and really from what moves they could make. Um, 
he likes what they did and he 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 probably likes Frank's edition more than some other people but he hit the nail on the head when he said the draft has been such a big ripple in this offseason and it's just set off so many waves that that's clouded you know a lot of people's views of of the entire offseason which I think makes sense really interesting stuff okay David we have been off the live air we've been doing a lot of stingers a lot of videos but we've been off this live show for about a month now so there's a lot of news that we've missed and I'm sure there's some news uh, that the fans have missed as well. So we're, ta- we're going to get into one of our staple segments here. Hornets news we missed over the break. It's our Hornets full court press. Presenting important news. Stop what you're doing and listen. Hornets announcing their preseason schedule, and they'll be all around the world, David. Two games in China. They're doing four games away and only two at Time Warner Cable Arena. That is uh, versus the Knicks on October 17th and the Bulls on October 19th. You okay with that thin home preseason schedule, David? Yeah, especially being in a marquee game, doing those games in China. I mean, look, the preseason NBA schedule, in my viewpoint, (laughs) it's to drum up interest. If you can get around in the area, which they're not as doing as much of this year, or show some fans in the other regions, you know, near us, uh, what the Hornets have to offer, I'm, I'm great with that. But being part of those global games is cool. Yeah, normally the the Hornets will do a game in South Carolina or or somewhere in in North Carolina, like Greensboro, Greensboro or something. But they, they decided not to. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, two yeah, games it's again. Preseason. It's preseason. You do get New York and Chicago, so those are premier games. Uh, you know, for preseason's sake. Yeah, I'm okay with it as well. Yeah. In his interview with Rick Bunnell, Steve Clifford talked about injured-powered forward Cody Zeller. If you'll remember, Zeller had a lingering shoulder injury late last season that turned into rotator cuff surgery in April. When asked about Zeller, Coach Clifford had this to say. You'll have to read that. I don't have that audio. <laughs> that was an ace spoken. Let me get my Steve Clifford that was a, hat. That was and... Just do an impression if you could. <laughs> He did a great job. Uh, He did a great job. Everything he could have done with rehab. He's been on the floor for the last seven weeks, said Clifford. Doing a lot of shooting. He's back to the same weight he was after losing some weight with the injury. End quote. What's what's our Cody concern level set to, Doug? Our Def Con, our Def Cody level. Our Def Cody, I'm going to go Def Cody 2. And I believe that's the second to the the highest because it goes five four three two one right. I'm a military. I'm completely turned around on this segment because I was expecting to hear Steve Clifford <laughs> well, come listen, in. I'm a military expert, uh, <laughs> so Def Cody too. This is trouble, I think, because when you read that quote, it just doesn't. The the, the whole injury thing was really weird. It was we weird. It's still this, not. It's and still this weird. quote is kind of weird. And and I'm just I'm concerned because then you look back and Steve Clifford also said something I believe earlier this summer about Cody having basically you got to learn how to shoot a three if you're not going to be able to back down and have a back down game as a power forward. So, you know, and then, of course, you you couple all of that with the fact that Cody was basically rumored to be on the block the entire summer until the Batum uh, deal went down and Lance Stevenson got shipped. I don't know. I mean, it's it's just not if you're a Cody Zeller fan, it's it's disconcerting. You just got to sit and wait, I think. I mean, you want Cody to get back as soon as possible. We'd like to see a little more movement on that front by now, though. You're right. All right, finally, we knew changes were coming. The, the music went out. That's when you know we were a little over on this segment. <laughs> finally, first show back. First show back, guys. It's <laughs> the first day of school. Live radio. Finally, we knew changes were coming to the Hornets team, and now we know what those changes will be. 
veteran Fox Sports voice Eric Collins takes over the play-by-play duties. Here's what he sounds like. Oh, my! The big man, Joshua Smith, said, get out! Said, get out! Uh, I like it. I like that. Yeah, he'll take over for longtime Hornets uh, voice Steve Martin, who will move back to radio. Stephanie Reddy is ready to move up to the booth. She's a full-time analyst now, the the first female full-time analyst in the NBA. Alongside Dell Curry, what do we think of these changes, David? After hearing that drop, I'm, I'm super pumped. Let me play like it again. Oh, my! The big man, Joshua Smith, said get out! Said get out! He reminds me of Gus a little Proper bit. names, too, Joshua Smith. Joshua Smith. He reminds me of Gus a little bit. A little bit. I thought that was actually Jim Ross when he first played it. <laughs> he killed him! <laughs> I like it. And, of course, we're happy for Stephanie. She's been doing a great job. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, on that team, on that broadcast team Such for a, a long time. So uh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Stephanie, just such a pro, and and she engages with fans. You know, she's very fan friendly. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, you tweet at her at a game or something, and she she'll tweet you right back. So, and Dell's I mean, back. No, no shade on Dell. Yeah, Dell. Let's to have see what uh, Dell's been. Uh, let's see. Ready enters her twelfth season. That's amazing. She's been with the Hornets telecast and Bobcats telecast for twelve seasons. She also coached in the WNBA and NBA D League. I mean, anyone, first woman, I believe, D League coach to coach a pro sports team. Yep. That's right. And um, she just knows her basketball, and it's clear, you know, when you when you listen to her talk. Uh, Curry comes back for his, his seventh season as a game analyst. So, again, he's the the ambassador. Yeah, got to love that team. All right, we got to get back to this MKG re-sign. Uh, it's the biggest story going on in the summer right now, and that brings us to our first Hornets Hot Topic. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. So hot. David, uh, we heard what Bobby had to say, Bobby Marks, earlier in the program, what he had to say on the MKG deal. What do you think about the MKG deal? I think it's a rounding success for, for all parties involved. A little bit of the um, of the reaction on the MKG side was, hey, you know, he probably could have gotten a lot more money if he would have waited. But, yeah, well, I, I mean, that was – you don't know if that was the that. reaction or you don't know if he could have gotten that. No, I think that's that was the reaction, right. a little bit of, of questioning. But I, but I think we'll, we'll get into it. Let's, let's talk about the good. Let's talk about why we like Sure, sure. Well, from the MKG side of things, you love that he wants to be here. Yes. He, he wants to be a part of this. He, he obviously loves playing with Kimball Walker. Those two have a, a special sort of bond that we found out during all the, uh, all the hoopla last week with the signing. But – He's the anchor of the defense. <laughs> He's a small forward anchor of the defense, is aiming to be one of the top five defenders in the league. Uh, so, you know, they had to bring him in and solidify his place on here, on this team. We've seen the difference without him, and it's not good. That's been played out a lot over the last week, highlighting the difference he makes on the court when he's there. They're just better with him there, and uh, it was a good move to get done, and I think it's good to see it get done before the season. So it's settled. Clifford basically summed up what we all saw last year, uh, paraphrasing Clifford here, but just saying we're better with him on the court than we are when he's off the court, right? So the offensive, uh, the opponent's offensive rating goes down nine points when MKG, it's a nine-point differential when MKG is on the floor versus when he's off it. Uh, in terms of the just wins, losses, the team is 6-21 and 21 when he's off the floor, uh, 27 and 28 when he was on the floor last season. And then in total, the team has posted a 62 and 55 record. That's over 500 folks with him in the lineup 
as opposed to a 14 and 33 that's below 500 when he has been unable to play so and, that's clear yeah and i think you should point out you know a lot of the reaction was wow you don't even need a jump shot to get 13 million a year in the nba these but days you don't understand basketball exactly but my point is he's a lot better he was a lot better last year and a lot more efficient in the mid-range game than mm -hmm. i think he got credit for he did obviously work hard on that shot with mark price and improve there didn't take any threes it's been well documented last year he is going to have to add that to his game at least be a halfway semi-threat from there um but he was a lot better in the mid-range game and he's always going to be able to go to the basket he's going to be able to take the ball from end to end like not a lot of guys his size can and the thing that i always forget and i come back to he's 21 years old 21 and while he has racked up the injuries he hasn't racked up the game mileage and the yep. injury and he's he's never really had an injury that's like oh god like that's a devastating that's a career threatening. He just, so he's he's managed to sort of dodge that bullet so far. And, he's got he's got to stay on the floor though. That's oh, the biggest well, and caveat. that's that's the big question mark, right? The injury. So you know he's been knocked unconscious. He's had stress reactions, and and you know different pulls and and tears and et cetera et cetera on down the line, and and he's missed. Uh, Scott Fowler from the Observer had the stat: he's missed twenty nine percent of his games uh, as a Charlotte Hornet. So that's a concern. But, you know, it, it's a four-year deal. It's $52 million. It's, it's relatively a cheap deal. The last year's a player option, so it's kind of good for both parties. And, you know, he, again, he's young. He hasn't had that devastating injury that would concern you about possible future injuries. But, you know, it sort of comes with the territory. I don't think he'll ever play 82 games. It's just he's crash. You know, he's, he's Gerald Wallace. He's, he throws his body around. And he said in his interview with The Observer, He's not going to change his game. Right. <laughs> Guys normally don't. <laughs> they get a style of play and they stick with it until their knees won't let them anymore. And, and I th yeah, and I think some of that needs to be on the coaching staff too, to to maybe not monitor his minutes. You're not gonna you're not gonna put him on a pitch count or anything like that. But he doesn't need to be. You know, he doesn't. If if the game's in hand, certainly doesn't need to be out there. Um, well, if there's more scoring, you know, then it's not as as necessary to have him. You know, just getting the offense going sure. with with you know fast breaks and and, right. and different things so i mean that's that's tricky but i'm just saying the, the, he's an investment obviously in this team now so it's going to take all parties involved to kind of you know do the best they can to, to reduce that risk and like you said he's not going to change the way he plays i have one more question mark for mkg moving forward and that's his free throw percentage markedly improved from his second year, shooting a little over 70% last year, but that's got to get over 75. Uh, as much as he gets the basket yeah. and gets fouled. And, you know, uh, guys like Seth Part now from B-Ball Breakdown, when when I interviewed him for uh, the Frank Kaminsky video, uh, by the way, check that out on atthehive.com. He talked about how free throw motion, free throw percentage can be somewhat, somewhat, this is a very heated debate, by the way, on the commenting board, so I'm trying to really just kind of play both sides here. It can be somewhat of an indicator of how your shot is developing. So if MKG's free throw percentage starts to slide back, then that's concerning. I mean, and, and just overall, it's got to get over 75%, I think, for his position, for the amount of minutes that he's getting. Can't be a liability like that on the floor. So that's a question mark. But here's what's not a question mark, and I think this is a great way to kind of sum this up. He is the unquestioned face of this franchise. 
Okay. I mean, you look back and, and, and they were pitching hard for him to be on the uh, all defensive team and, and a whole, ran a whole campaign for him. And he's out in the community and he's getting more out in front of the media now. Draft lottery. Draft lottery representative. I mean, this guy right now is the franchise. So whatever you think about him, I kind of want to just like get used to it. You know? So, yeah, and a great guy. I mean, yeah. if you've watched any of that press conference or seen any of his quotes, it's really an easy guy to cheer for um, on and off the court. So, I mean, a great move by the Hornets here. I think the kind of guy that Charlotte can be proud of. Are you ready for this, David? <laughs> I've been uh, been pretty giddy about this um, ever since we were going to go back the air, uh, go back on the air. It's time for another NBA Limerick. This Limerick coming to us again from at Limricky Davis, always providing the good Limericks. Here we go. This is an MKG Limerick edition. What a move to lock up MKG. Such a stalwart defensively. Got a new four-year salary. That's a steal. His future, I can't wait to see. I know I know how much you love Limericks, David, and that's why I was excited to bring it. That did not disappoint. I brought it hard. Good to I brought be back. straight to the hole with Good that Limerick. I dunked that Limerick. Good to be back. Moving on. All right. <laughs> Still got a lot to talk about. Um, we are going to break down each depth chart position uh, for the Hornets, and we're going to start in honor of MKG. This is a full-on MKG show. In honor of MKG, we're going to start with the small forward position. So we've we've talked a lot about MKG. Let's talk about who's going to be behind MKG in this lineup. And I think, honestly, we started with a great one, David, because – and you might call me crazy. You might disagree with me. You're crazy. All right. But I think this position is the biggest question mark of all of the positions. The backup. Well, just yeah. Well, just yes. Kinda I mean, who's yes. Gonna I mean, fill in well, there. I mean, well, we talked about can MKG stay on the floor, so that right. this becomes critical. And, and I think you know we'll start with Marvin Williams. Ideally, that's where he'll see most of his time this year. I think. Ideally, for whom? Ideally, for everyone. I don't know <laughs> because if you look at the last time that he played small forward in Utah, he played, well, he played with Al Jefferson, played with Mo Williams, didn't go well. Didn't go well. Well, I think he was stretched to the stretch four last year, and that was to varying results. Well, right? he led Charlotte in effective field goal percentage, if you don't count Bismack Biombo. Uh-huh. His usage percentage was down, so there's going to be some some factoring in there, but he led the team at 52%. He was really the only one of consequence to shoot over 35% from beyond the arc. Right. Again, didn't take a ton, but was effective when he got the ball. But you're right, he did sort of fade – into the background of a lot of games and, and by the end of the season, I think turned into more of a body, but he got a lot of playing time because Cody Zeller went down. Uh, But here's what I worry about, David. He moves to the small four. So everybody was sort of, including us, we were touting this fact that he was moving to power forward as a great thing for Marvin because his knees in his older years have betrayed him. And so defensively, in the small forward position, especially in, in Utah in that last season, he became a liability. Defensively is going to be the downside Ooh, for that. It's going to yeah. be a struggle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, nowhere near 
nowhere near MKG, obviously, or even a guy like Batum, and we'll probably see there some as well. That's an interesting point. I think that's, the, again, big question mark. How much time, I mean, you know, I think I think Batum probably racks up the most minutes per game. Overall. Yeah, because I think he sees a lot of time at three. You because can put him three, two. I mean, you know, if they're going to talk about playing Lynn and Kimball Walker together, then you're definitely going to – I think you're definitely going to see Batum there. Not necessarily it doesn't have to be with that one, but, you know, he's a guy that can slide right to the three uh, when they want to see a different look. All right, let's move on to third on the depth chart, and that's the one, the only, P.J. Hairston. Hmm. Uh, don't don't get on me too hard here, but I was reading Bleacher Report. Uh, I'm sorry, SB Nation, but I, I I stumbled upon in my research this poll that Bleacher Report had done recently. Uh, it was an article about the Hornets about PJ. Two thousand votes on this, so pretty good sample size. Not not a great, I mean, not a huge sample size, but but two thousand, I'll take it. Sixty eight percent in this poll, it was keep PJ, cut PJ, trade PJ. Hmm. They can't trade PJ. Sixty-eight percent said keep him. It's okay. it's just incredible to me. His his fan base stalwarts. It, it's always it's always the promise, right? I mean, that's what so much of that is based on. It's you you know you want to see this young guy go out there and fill it up for the Hornets. I mean, I don't know, especially if you're an area guy, if you're a Carolina guy, then, you know, you root for PJ. And it's not like we're not rooting for him, um, but he is yet to make his mark on this team, did not have a great summer league, and this is a massive, massive season for him. So I I don't know. I I, I don't know how many – I mean, do you see him getting a lot of time at small forward? He's got to come in and knock down shots, I think, is his main thing, and not give up on – not give up too much on on defense. Well, we've said this before. He's he's got a huge – uh, training camp ahead of him Huge. that will determine a lot of this because there there's a lot more roster flexibility there's a lot more positional flexibility on this team with Jeremy Lamb with with Nick Batum uh, I mean you can you can Lamb's another guy theoretically play Lamb at three yeah. so again you've got a lot of flexibility there and and PJ will be one of these guys who has to step up now I'll give PJ credit uh, Chris Barnwall, uh, our our one of our faithful leaders at at the Hive, did some impeccable reporting at Summer League, and and talked about how PJ showed leadership on the court, was talking yeah. to young guys even when his shot wasn't going down. So that's a great development. Yeah. But hey, as you said, the shot's got to go down. The shot's got to go down. I mean that that is a great thing to see. But unfortunately, they didn't bring PJ in here to be the veteran presence and leadership i mean not that <laughs> they're not? not that they're gonna knock him for that but first of all he's got to be flawless off the court this year i don't think they're gonna put up with any more missed weight sessions they don't have or, to or practice right There's too many guys uh and he's he's just got to play better he's got to play better on the court and, and knock down some of these threes and maybe if he's comfortable uh maybe some of these spacing issues will help him this year i mean you know it would be great because they could always use another three-point shooter out there that's right that's right. You can't. I mean, again, I just talked about it. Marvin was the only Hornet. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. The only Hornet to shoot thirty-five percent. He was the sniper last year. <laughs> he was their marksman. He was their Dale Ellis. That's that's uh, a uh, former Hornet, by the way, Dale Ellis. Nice. When did he play? I don't know. I uh, was I just saw. I saw his name as we were researching some of these all-time franchise teams, which you can go check out, by the way. That's a good plug. Um, 
but he was uh, one of those names that said, huh, he played in Charlotte. There's a lot of those. Kurt Rambis always comes up. Huh, he played in Charlotte. Kenny Anderson, although that one's a little more well-known. But anyway. It's true. Interesting stuff. All right, um, so that's our small forward preview. Again, we're going to be doing previews on each of the – Lamb will fall in our shooting guard. So don't worry, we'll get to him. But that is our small forward preview. Uh, let's let's go to Twitter. we got a few tweets. Grant Grant tweets us a top uh, – uh, let's see. This was probably in reply to something, so I should probably click this. I'm a Twitter master. All right, this was in response to uh, uh, the MKG re-sign. Grant says a top defensive player and the team's MVP by definition in two years, he is being paid the same as some team's seventh or eighth option. That's right. And I think I think for MKG, like the question, we didn't really answer it. Why did MKG take the deal? I think Bobby Marks did a great job of answering it. Yeah. If you didn't hear that interview earlier in the show, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes so you can check that interview out. Great interview. He talked about how, look, sometimes you put a contract in front of a guy there's guaranteed money on the table. He's had injuries, missed 29% of his games, and you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen when you go out there, what your value is going to be. And so for MKG, bird in the hand, if you will, better than two in the bush. So yeah, the injuries, I, think, I think that's what it was. And, and, and I'll say this too, David. I don't necessarily, when he says I don't do it for the money, when he talks about his relationship with Kimball Walker, when he talks about, you know, what he's had to overcome in terms of his shot, I mean, they, this franchise didn't give up on MKG when, when they saw his shot. They said, look, we'll bring a guy in, we'll get this thing fixed, we'll get this thing turned around, and it worked. And I think if you're MKG, you look at that, and, and again, I've talked to MKG a few times, you know, in different settings, and I get the sense that he's a genuine guy. And I don't roll my eyes when I hear him say things like that. No, that that's the coolest. I was going to say that too. He said, "It's not. I'm not doing it for the money, and it's still thirteen million dollars, um, right. which is great." But I think he, he like we said, he know he wants to be here. He's got a good situation. Young, player um, option, player as, option in the last year. As Bobby Mark said, this is not going to be his last go round at, at the bargaining table. So. From his perspective, he's good. He's good buddies with Kemba. They they want to try and do something here, and I think it's great. All right, let's go back to Twitter. Great tweet. Keep those tweets coming at Hive Talk Live. Uh, this next one from at the Dash Cray. Hope I got that right. Uh, let's see. This was in response uh, to the MKG resign again. Do you think that Lamb can improve enough to have a young core of Walker, Lamb, and Kid Gilchrist? I ask because Lamb and Walker have had success in college, and Walker and MKG are pretty much a duo. It's an interesting point. Walker and Lamb had, obviously, championship success at UConn. So, Lamb, but Lamb has a lot of work to do. Yeah, I've got to see a lot more out of Lamb, personally, uh, to know exactly where and if he'll fit on this team long term. The biggest question, in my mind for Lamb, the biggest question is not his shooting. It's his ball handling. Can he, can he, not turn the ball over. Can he be more responsible for ball handling? And it'll be an important question if Lamb sticks around and Batum doesn't, because that's what Batum's role is going to be on this team is is the secondary ball handler to Kemba Walker, and and if Batum leaves after a year and and uh, and screws we're fa- everybody up. Well, I mean, and, <laughs> and we're faced with with Lamb. That's what I'll be watching this year out of Lamb. Can uh, he be a 
can he do more than catch and shoot? Can he be a ball handler? Can he get to the rim? It, it was a great flyer for the Hornets. I mean, they oh. turn, you know what I mean? Yeah, so if it works out, that's great. He's still a guy with potential, but I've got to see some more out of him before before they can really count on him. I'm sure they do too. Um, but, you know, like I said, a great flyer, and, and if it works out, great. Number, I think <laughs> job number one is probably hanging on to Batum and, and going from there. A good friend of the show. Uh, host the call up on on WFNZ six ten the fan call and tweeting us Dale Ellis is the answer to the who is the oldest player the Hornets have ever traded for <laughs> trivia question the answer being thirty nine that's pretty old to trade for I bet he could still shoot though Man, you better hope at thirty nine that's a good one good trivia. It's great trivia by Colin there. By the way, listen to the call up. Such smart, such smart analysis on that show. Love having the guys on there. Nada, Nada. friend of the show as well. Obviously. Good stuff. All right, we have one more uh, Hornets hot topic here. Let's roll it. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. David, I'll let you take this one. This is your this is your baby. It's the Jordan, Jordan brand debacle. What's going on here? Jordan right. Brand, so Hornets. So, so it was odd that in the wake of the DeAndre Jordan uh, penalties on the Clippers, so they tried to bring him in with like a Lexus dealer, uh, a Lexus sponsorship. sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to circumvent the, cal- the salary cap a little bit there. Interestingly enough, in the first pitch, not the second pitch. So, <laughs> which so, yeah, what yeah. is that? What was so, the so so? This was after he had agreed to go to Dallas. But anyway, so after that news came out, the NBA came out and said, "Well, Michael Jordan." of Jordan brand and Nike and Charlotte Hornets, you can no longer select what players wear your shoes, which is kind of his, you know, because Jordan, Jordan owns Jordan brand and he's the, well, Nike owns, well, Nike, Nike okay. is, yeah. Jordan runs Jordan. Brand. Well, yeah. <laughs> you te- tell me what he does. What does the man do? Certainly. He's a, he's is a he major, vice chairman. He's a major decision maker for Jordan brand. Sure. His name is his name. You know, it's his name. It's his DNA. He's a de facto. He runs it. Exactly. Let's just say, let's stick that with it, that he runs it. On their website, Team Jordan is handpicked by Michael Jordan. So, in effect, by doing this, the NBA is saying, well, you can't go out and run this other business that, quote, unquote, has nothing to do with the NBA, which we all know that it does. Um, you can't go out there and, and, and do your other, other businesses and operate like that. And it's just a little weird to me. They're not asking anyone else to step back from some of the responsibilities they have outside of running their NBA team. Uh, yeah, but this is directly related with basketball. Exactly, which is something they've known all along, haven't they? Well, sure, but, I mean, you know, I, I just I, – I I guess I'm okay with this. I, I get where you're coming from where it's like right. they've known about it, but we're in this – I don't mean to, like, drop this, like, whole age thing. We're in the age of – but – everything's a controversy, you know, everything's a, a big deal and, and sure. eventually gets, I mean, we look at the NFL. I mean, so many, you know, these little, they start as, as little trickles of information and, and you don't, you don't fix the leak and, and all of a sudden, and you're not pro, we always complain about how leagues are not proactive on issues. And, and this issue, it seems like the NBA said, all right, you know, we saw the Lexus thing. You know the Clippers trying to treat free agency mm-hmm. like Price is Right because you know, they we haven't. We're going to cut yeah. that out. And There's now, a rule in place for it. I mean, the rule exists. 
You know what I mean? So, well, this seems like it's again. You're right. They knew about it all along. They were okay with it until this thing happened. But it's, it's still you, you rip away all of that context. And you say, this seems like a conflict of interest, even though. Yeah, it does. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't think anybody's arguing that. It's just that. What are that, you arguing? It's what just are that, we arguing It's just about? that it was known. And to you me, were supposed to paint my fence. To, to me, to, 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 to go to one of your owners. <laughs> so now they're even separating Jordan from the rest of the owners, theoretically. Hey, listen. Cody Zeller is Jordan brand. Cody, well, that's the other thing. And he didn't get traded. So that, that's I, the other thing. I smell a conspiracy. None of these free agent, shoe free agents have ever been going through, you know, free agency has never played a part in any of the Hornets signings, shoe free agency. All of their guys that have come up and signed with Jordan Brand have been drafted or have come over via trade like a Steven Jackson. So <laughs> this is the conspiracy music. There's been no there's been no hint of impropriety. The possibility exists. Again, I get why they did it. I get what they're saying, but I'm saying there's so much in bed with Jordan Brand as it is. The logo may be on the jerseys a year from now when Nike takes over. So it's a little odd for them to now come in and say, you can have this business. We can all profit from it, but you can't take part in it like you want to. Again, I think, you know, he's he's part of a club. Yes. And and it's not it's not like a normal business. No, it's not. It's a basketball related business. That's right. That's and what they've I mean. never gone out and told any other owners. And there's been plenty of owners where they could have gone and said, you need to stop doing this in your normal course of day-to-day -day business outside of the NBA. That's never been something they've done. Again, I get it. It makes sense. But to me, it's more window dressing than anything. It's not like they, Jordan Brand is going to be able to not put together some group, you know, hey, pick Chris Paul. You go pick the athletes and say that they're picked inspired by Michael Jordan. It's going to be the same thing. Guys are not going to want to stop going to – Jordan brand just because you know officially now they're saying Jordan is not picking the players I just thought it was a little weak hey you know what I think what I think someone should write about it well I tried to put them thought <laughs> down on paper we'll see if it makes the light of day it will uh, I'm confident for more, again for more on this check out at the hive.com I'm pretty certain on Wednesday well, we haven't, and also we hadn't heard anything from Jordan on this or anyone else. It's just kind of one of those things that was floated out there. It happened, so and, we'll see. And again, I, I think, I think because of that, that leads me to believe that Jordan was like, "All right." Well, yeah, and maybe this was something that had come up previously, and maybe he's good with it. Like I said, it's not going to cripple his business. <laughs> They're not going to stop making shoes and there's yeah. not going to be players that are stopped lining up. No, to it's not going to cripple his business. He made $10 million on a steak ad. <laughs> That's all going to charity. I'm just saying if he can do that and send 10 million to charity, probably doing all right. He's going to be just fine. This guy, he's going to be, gonna be just, just fine. fine. <laughs> all right. One last thing. Time for our one last thing. Um, Baron Davis, much talked about. You can listen to our analysis of Baron Davis's career here in Charlotte uh, on our all-time Charlotte all-time team point guard list. He made our first team, both of our unanimous first team, and and he made many other first teams. Uh, you can read all of those on atthehive.com. But Baron Davis is trying to make a comeback, and I'm really happy about this. And he had an amazing article 
on NBA.com. He took over for uh, David Aldridge. Uh, Aldridge is on vacation, so he's lent his spot on NBA.com to uh, different athletes and, and such. And Baron Davis stepped up to the plate and talked about his talked really candidly, really honestly about the injury in New York where he was carried off the court. I can see it in my mind. and It was pretty devastating because, you know, he was, I mean, he was so amazing in Charlotte and then he goes to Golden State and as part of that, you know, believe team for Golden State. Historic run. Yeah. And, and he was just, again, just such an amazing player. And then, and then it all comes kind of crashing down in uh, New York as, as many things have in, in, in Madison square garden these days. Uh, and he talks really openly. <laughs> blindsided by Doug. Listen, probably not blindsided. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm the first one to take a shot at the mix. <laughs> um, so anyway, he, he speaks really candidly about it. I, I really recommend you go read it. He talks about, you know, basically it's very interesting to me because he gets injured and, he just gets this sense that like it's over and he doesn't want to, he do, he wants to forget basketball. And that's so amazing to me because again, he was a player uh, that just electrified whenever he was out on the court. I mean, he had that famous, like uh, the, the, I see it in my mind, the layup where he would like, th- he would draw contact and then go three sixty and, and throw the ball up and, yep. and make it. And he just did th- things like that all the time. Dunked on uh, Kevin Garnett, as a Hornet and then, and young Kevin Garnett, like when you, you know, were sort of scared to dunk on a guy like that. Just so many amazing things that he did that he would want to just forget about that entire legacy. Really interesting stuff. And then uh, what he has to say on coming back and he used the Drew League and these mm. different, like these summer these, league these, stuff, yeah. these leagues that are popping up all over the country now and that have featured, you know, in Los Angeles and New York and Chicago that have you know, have been stepping stones for guys like Clay Thompson, you know, before they, you know, hit the scene and, and big time college ball, they go to these leagues and, and, and just kind of come out of the woodwork and start lighting it up. And it's just really cool to see, you know, old guy getting the respect of, of some of these young bloods. It's, it's really interesting stuff. You could do worse if you're looking for a, a veteran locker room point guard presence, right? Right. And, and, you know, I mean, Hey, he's only 36. There's still some Dale Ellis money out there for him. There were opportunities for the Bobcats to to bring back Baron Davis. There were situations I remember uh, for a few years where, where it would have made sense. Now it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there would have to be devastating injuries for something like that to happen. But, but boy, when he retired, when he, when he really calls it quits, wouldn't it be amazing if, if there was some kind of, bringing him back to the high for, for a second just to, to celebrate what he did. The it's pe- been so long. People don't, do so basket- long. people don't do that in basketball anyway. I feel like that's such a baseball thing. Like you come back for one play, one, you know, and then you call it quits. One day and, contract. Or- yeah, like you, you rarely see that in basketball, I think. No, you don't really see that in basketball. So, yeah, it'd be cool to see. I would love to see Baron Davis back in. And, you know, we, we still haven't gotten into this, like, throwback jersey thing. So maybe when you're not supposed to bring the actual players back to wear the throwback jerseys, though. You but wouldn't that, that right? be cool? <laughs> I'm just saying, wouldn't that be cool? No, I'm saying he wouldn't be coming back to play. I'm talking. This is a retirement ceremony. All right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. Is there anyone? Is there anyone that you would retire? 
right now, jersey wise? Bobby Fields is obviously in the rafters. Uh, is there anyone else that you would consider? No, I think I'm on record to say no one is retirement worthy. At Why this do you point. feel that way? Uh, it's just, <laughs> I mean, we've gone through the all time lists. And okay. there's not many. You don't even that, Larry Johnson. I mean, as much well, as well, it's did. tough. That would that that would be close. The five years here, I you'd, mean, you'd have to invite him to the arena. <laughs> They'd have to call him, which is a big hurdle right now. <laughs> have to get on the old telephono. Yeah, maybe first. they can write him a letter, a postcard. There you go. I think Larry Johnson's close. Um, the closest. You got to have a lot of. To me, retirement of the jersey needs to be a really. Spe- you don't just retire for retirement's sake. You know what I mean? So there's not a lot of teams that had massive success, which makes it a little tough. And they haven't had that that player that was here for 10 years that was, you know, uh, a league-wide sensation. They've had him in spurts, but I think LJ was probably the longest of like five years. So, sure, he has my vote. But that's I'm a, not going to vote a, for it's him. It's a huge vote of confidence. It's a massive vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do Grandmama on the back, or you do you do the actual? You'd you have do to, Johnson. You'd have to do you do both. You'd put like <laughs> Grandma on top, and then Johnson, Grandma Johnson, Grandma Johnson. I mean that. I mean, it was his grandmother in this in this weird. Well, alternate. she definitely doesn't deserve retired <laughs> jersey. Hey, by the way, one last plug. Uh, we just did our power forward picks for the Charlotte All Time Team, and we talked about the origins of Grandmama. We talked about how Grandmama almost wasn't. It almost wasn't a thing. Converse had a whole different idea for Larry Johnson. They had some good idea men back then. I'm telling you, Mad Men. Some serious some, ad some wizards. Ad dudes. That was the original title of Mad Men. I don't know if you knew that. It was Ad Dudes. Ad Wizards was the, uh, <laughs> the sci-fi channel version. Mm, ad Wizards. All right, that's going to do it for us, folks. This has been, you know, this has been fun. This has been a fun way to kind of get get back into this thankfully the season is still a couple weeks away so we can we have some fine tuning we're just stretching our legs here folks i didn't tell you about this at all before the show but i'm going to drop an idea on you really quickly i want to i want to talk to other sb nation guys in our division i know divisions don't matter but let's let's scout the divisions let's get the guys from the the hawks blog and and different guys and and let's talk to them let's figure this thing out i want to know what's coming up let's spitball some more show stuff on air too (laughs) Hey, let us know what you think about. We're workshopping. This is like uh, this is a small club before we hit uh, the Apollo Theater. So uh, definitely uh, give us your thoughts on uh, Hive Talk Live on Twitter, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. We're on Instagram. I tweeted a picture of a hamburger today. So that's the kind of stuff you can expect out of our Instagram page. Make sure to check us out, hivetalklive.com. You can catch up on Stingers, on the video breakdowns that we did this summer. And much, much more. And these shows, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher if you're listening to us live. We're back again next Tuesday. That's right. We're coming back. We'll be back. This is comfort. Every Tuesday from now on. This is Hornet's comfort food. This is the the Hornet's equivalent of fried macaroni and cheese. We are back. New school year, new clothes, new binders. You have new clothes? That's the same shirt you wore the other day. Don't talk to me about new clothes. That is the exact same shirt you wore for the video breakdown. There goes the mystery. <laughs> well, there's some video radio. we're taping this. We're taping that. I'll probably put this up on YouTube. So uh anyway, uh keep the faith, Hornets fans. We'll talk to you soon. Let's swarm, Charlotte.